This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. It's good to be with you this morning. We are back in the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. We've already gone over this when when we talked about God creating man in his own image. As we hit this passage again, I think it's really good to go through it. In fact, I think it's one of the most informative passages to us about just about the nature of who we are and how God made us in Scripture. And it leads us to understanding almost all the things that goes on after this passage. This verse in Scripture, I think, is of the utmost importance because it is very descriptive and answers one of the most fundamental questions in Scripture. And it it allows us to begin to think of ourselves wholly as we are. Sometimes we sometimes we try to think of ourselves as this one singular pack, package and uh, we're singularly ourselves, but yet we're not because we have abs- aspects of us that are different. We have parts of us that are different. And understanding that and knowing that and understanding how that affects you in your daily life and understanding how that affects you in your relationship with God because this speaks to our relationship with God. It speaks to who we are with God, and it allows us to understand God better. It allows us to understand who He is because He created us in His image or in His likeness, and it lets us know that as God is a tripart being, He made us into tripart beings. So what does that mean? That means that He made us a very unique creature in his creation. He made us to, in his creation, to be symbolic of him, meaning <clears throat> you could look at, you could look at us and I, in his creation and see characteristics or aspects of who he is, much like when you look at a painting, the pinnacle work of a painter, you can see the mastery that painter has over over his field or over his subject matter. You, you So also, when you look at us, you can see God's mastery over over creation and his subject matter. And it's important that you understand this because I, I really believe that chapter one and two of scripture of Genesis, it sets the stage for everything else. It allows us to see scripture and it allows us to see ourselves and life in in a real and complete way. It allows us to understand who we are. And it allows us to understand how 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 we should approach different things in life. It says here, <clears throat> once it said, the mist went up in verse 6, but the mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And we understand that's the exhale of God. It's the Holy Spirit. So right here, right here in, in verses 4 through 6, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all at work in the history of the heavens and the earth. And so when you get to, when you get to verse 7, it says, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. 
uh, that word for formed or made or created it's, it's translated all those different ways is not bara it's not the word that's used of elohim in genesis chapter one god the father it is it is the word for created or what it means to do is fashion or make or form <clears throat> it means with your literally with your hands to put things together so when the father spoke and said let us make man in our own image somebody came in and made man in their image. Who was that? That was the Lord God. That was Jesus. That was the pre-incarnate Christ actively at work in the universe, actively at work in the world God had created. And uh, so when he said, let us, it was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our own image and in our likeness. And how did he do it? He started out by forming man from the dust of the ground. Wow, that's, that seems fairly straightforward, but it's real important. And who was it doing that? It was the Lord God. It was Jesus intimately involved in forming us from the dust of the ground. And what did he form from the dust of the ground? Did he form our spirit from the dust of the ground? No, spirit's not physical. Did he form our soul from the dust of the ground? Well, what was formed eventually became a living soul, but no. What he formed from the dust of the ground is our bodies. Dust From dust you were made, and from dust you will return. What does that mean? What is, well, that scripture and what God's saying in that scripture, what is God, what's God saying in that situation? Is he saying, look, I made you uh, from my creation. You were not made uniquely out, uh, separate from my creation. I didn't bra ex nihilo you, meaning I didn't create you out of nothing. I literally made you out of that which I had already created, the matter that I'd made, I made you out of. And which means we have our we have our origin and our beginning, not only with God, but we have our origin and our beginning with creation, which means we are a created being. We are made by God. And when God says, can the pot say to the potter, why hast thou made me this way? The answer to that question, because it's a rhetorical question, the answer to that question is no. We can't say that because God fashioned us out of the dust of the ground. He made us out of the dust of the ground. And so he has the right to make us in, in, in such a way as to glorify himself in the ways he wants to do that. And I think that is really important for you to get. God made you to glorify him. And you are going to glorify him. And the way he made you is a unique way to glorify you. Now, <clears throat> he made your flesh from the dust of the ground. And so when man fell and when we our fallen nature became open and obvious and, and the Lord God called them from the from hiding in the woods, and we'll see that happen in just a few verses down the road. When we see that, <clears throat> well, we see that our flesh, our flesh is weak. And our flesh is the place from which we struggle. And our flesh is, is what we use to relate to the world we live in. We walk around in these physical bodies. Now, as far as the aspects of who we are when God created us that relate to the aspects of God, Jesus is the physical manifestation of God. He is God in the flesh. He's God at work in, in, in his universe. And so when we look at that, we see that God is at work in his universe. We understand that we're the physical manifestation of ourselves. When you look at, when you look and see uh, who we are, that's not the totality of who we are in the flesh, but it is the physical manifestation of who we are in the flesh. And so when you look at me, that's Chad. Not really. Chad's something that's deeper inside. Chad's something that's more than just this physical body. But what we see as Chad, when we look for God and we ask, let us see God, who do we look to? We look to Jesus because he's a physical manifestation of God. In fact, Thomas, we've talked about this recently a couple of times. In fact, Thomas says several times, Thomas asked Jesus, he said, show us the Father and we'll believe. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, 
you've seen the Father. Why? Because I'm the physical manifestation of the Father. I'm the physical manifestation of the Godhead. When the Lord God, Jesus, Jehovah God, formed man out of the dust of the ground, when he did that, he formed man, his physical manifestation of man, and that's the first thing he made. And then he says, then it says, he breathed into him the, in, into his nostrils the breath of life. And that word for breathed and that word for breath are the two words in the Old Testament for spirit. All right. And the spirit is what brings life. And I think this is of the utmost importance that you really get this. It is of the utmost importance that you really get this. The spirit is life. And he who has the spirit has life. But if you don't have the spirit, there is no life. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the interjection of God's power into the world. And for us in our in, in our created parts, he interjected his power into us. He placed not only the Holy Spirit, but he placed life into us, our own life. And uh, that was our own spirit. And so we have, uh, we have God creating man out of the dust of the ground, his body. And then we have God creating man, man's spirit or a human spirit inside of us. And once, once that, that human spirit and once that, that physical body came together, it, once that union was made, something happened, something great and powerful and unique happened. And what was that? The man became a living being. And that word for being is the word for creature that you see when God made the beast of the ground and when God made the, the creatures of the sea. That's the same word used there. And it relates to a soul. God made, when God made us physically out of the ground and when he made us and, when, and then when he made us, he made in us his own life, he placed his own power, the manifestation of his own life, presence, light, power. When he placed that in us, notice who's doing that. The Lord God's doing that. He is breathing that into us. When he breathed that into Adam, he placed in him a new human spirit. And when that happened, man became a living soul, a living being. And the word for soul in the Old Testament is this word for creature. And so for you animal lovers out there, it's my belief. Now, like I've said many times before, this is not a hill to die on. It's my belief that the animals have souls. And those souls go on after death. And do all dogs go to heaven? Strong likelihood is, yes, I'm not going to die on that hill. That being said, they don't go to heaven. They, their souls continue on. And I believe that God's going to manifest them again because they are living creatures. But what matters the most for me and what I'm sure matters the most for you is what is my soul? What is my soul? The soul is the unique part of who you are that starts when you're a child and it, it, it goes on for years and seasons. And that's who you, that's your personality. And there's aspects of our personality that don't change. Uh, there's aspects of our, 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 uh, mind, the way we think, the way we consider things. There's aspects of our character. There's aspects of who we are and what makes things funny and what makes things sad and what makes things, makes the world go round. That, those aspects of who we are is our soul and God loves. That's the part, aspect of who we are that God loves because it doesn't change. You ever had a friend that you were friends at some point in time when you were younger and then you or faded away from each other because life took you in two different directions. And then you run up on each other again and you're years apart and you start talking. And within minutes, it's back to the, just back the way it was back in the day. It's just exactly the same. The reason is not because your bodies have 
maintain connections for years and years. Your flesh is, is the same because really you're not. You don't look the same. You're older. You're, you're more worn out. That body's more worn out. It, it's, it's not that. It's that your soul, you, who you are as a human being, who you are as a personality, that connects with people. And it, it, just connects with, it connects with people. And down the road, when you get together, because there was such a good connection, that connection remains because you are who you are. And, and that person is who they are. And God is at work in your lives. But you are still the same part of you that was attractive to them is still attractive today. And uh, I have friends like that. I have friends like that in the ministry. When we talk on the phone, so we were, listen, we've been talking for months and months every day. Because why? We just have the same ideas and the same things that are going on as far as the, where we're li our life is headed. And even though it's not headed in the same place, uh, we have that connection. The same thing is true of a man's soul. Your soul is who you are. In the New Testament, the word for soul, is it, there's two words that's used for the uh, idea of this creature or soul, and that's your heart and your mind, and, and your cardia and your suco. And your cardia is your passions, and your suco is your intellect. And, uh, and those two things work together. And I talk about this all the time. The best way for me to describe it is in our worship services and in the worship services of the Jews back in the Old Testament and the worship services that have been going on for years and years and days and days and, and for, for millennial past, we always have singing and we always have the, the, the intaking or partaking of God's Word. Why do we do that? Because the singing reaches out to the aspect of your soul, which is your passions. It, it reaches out to the aspects of your soul, which is your emotions. It's, it reaches out to the emotive part of who you are. So many people I've been, I've been in so many different types of churches and in different settings and different places. And, and you'll see you're here in, in your more mainstream evangelical churches. We don't want, we don't want all that emotion in worship. The problem with saying that is, is I don't want emotion in worship. The problem with saying that is, is that that if you don't want any emotion in worship, then you're cutting off half of your soul. You're cutting off half of who you are because you are a being of emotion. And so obviously we want God to connect with our emotion. Does God have emotions? Absolutely. What part of our soul, what part of our of us relates to the Father? Our soul is what was made to symbolize or to be a picture of the Heavenly Father. It, does the Heavenly Father have emotion? Absolutely, he does. Quite clearly, in Scripture, he has emotion. In fact, in, in fact, a, one of the words that describes him is the word love. And sure, love is a lot more than emotion, but love is emotion, and every aspect of our emotions is relatable to God's emotion. God has it. God's an emotional God, and that's not a that's not a slight or a negative about God. In fact, I think that's what makes God wonderful: is that He's a God of emotion. Not only is he a God of emotion, he's a God of truth and intellect, and he's a God of word, of his word. He's truthful and intellectual, and he teaches us and shows us who we are through intellectual thought, through teaching you to think about him and to know him and to seek him out. If he's an emotional, if he's an emotional God, so also is he an intellectual God. And in, in the worship service, we always want to spend some time thinking, pondering, considering, talking about God's word. Why? Because when we think, consider, ponder, talk about God's Word, when we do that, we bring about that aspect of our soul that connects with the Father, that, so, that idea of truth, that idea of grace, that idea of understanding, that idea of having our mind open up, that idea of light penetrating into the darkness, that all those things are at work 
when we're in worship service and our mind is intellectually stimulated to know God and to hear God's truth from God's word. And when I'm and when that happens, boom, all of a sudden, all of a sudden you have the emotional and the intellectual coming together and you're you're you are changed by it. You're made closer and more like your heavenly father in worship when we both touch the emotional and the intellectual. When we both touch who we are as, as far as our as far as our passions and also who we are as far as our intellect. And so that's the aspect of who we are. That's the Father. Obviously, we've got this, that Jesus, we're our physical bodies, our physical manifestations of us is like Jesus. And obviously, our soul is like the Father. And so that only leaves that our spirit's like the Holy Spirit. And that's the one that's obvious. If we gave a quiz, if you didn't get that one, I don't know what, I don't know what to do with you. But that one is the obvious. Our spirit's like, is like the Holy Spirit. And, and so, as you can see, we were made in the image and likeness of God. God did what he said he was going to do. He is what he said he was going to be. And in in that, we are the image of him. We're the reflection of him. We're who he wants us to be. And each one of us, what's so cool about it is each one of us is emotionally. Each one of us is intellectually. Each one of us is physically. Each one of us, even in our perfect human spirit, is unique. And we uniquely glorify God in, in, in our wholeness as a person and individually and uniquely as we are the different aspects of our own nature. And understanding that and knowing that and understanding that and seeing that and beginning to have our minds opened up to those truths, then all of a sudden you begin to see why God does a lot of the things he does in Scripture. You begin to understand why things work the way they work in Scripture. You begin to understand how God operates as himself, how he does things. God never does thing, anything in the physical without Jesus. He always uses his power and his presence, the Holy Spirit. God the Father is always at work in the world, and he's not at work alone. He's always at work in the world through his Son, by the power of his spirit. And that's that that understanding we can draw quite clearly from chapter seven in the book of Genesis. I hope that was a better explanation, maybe a more compact and complete explanation of how God made us and how we are in his in the likeness of God and how the Trinity works. And so also how you work when you're born again and God creates in you a new human spirit. And so I hope that's true for you. I hope that uh, as you watch and listen and look at this verse, you'll see things from a unique perspective and you'll be able to have your mind opened up to the things God's doing throughout scripture because God is at work in our lives. He is. And, and uh, I'm praise God that he's given us an open door where we're at. And many other people who watch uh, watch us online, God's given you an open door. Go through that open door. Be passionate about it because you're a passionate being. Be thoughtful about it, considering God's will and God's way in it because you're a being of thought and intellect. Be physical about it. Don't just sit there and think about it. Go and do it because you're a God of, of physical creation. God's made you to be active in a part of this world. And when you do it, go in the power of the Holy Spirit because your spirit and the Holy Spirit are connected and they're together. And God is flowing his spirit and his power and his light through you. Go do those things. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.